Hello, I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, a child psychologist, entrepreneur, and mum with a passion for problem solving and family adventures. Join me each week for practical tips and on-air consultations with the smartest, kindest parents and their incredible kids. Find answers faster, do things differently, and take your family further. This is impressive. This episode is sponsored by brightchild.com. Now let's get started. This is episode nine of Impressive. I'm your host, Kimberly O'Brien. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever thought about moving overseas for a year with your family? Have you thought about the cultural experience, the intellectual stimulation, the new friends that you'd make, the challenges you'd face, and whether that would be worth all the effort? Well, this week we speak to Rachel Mogan McIntosh, who is an author. She has a blog, mogantosh.com which is worth definitely checking out. She's a very established journalist here in Australia, and she's also a comedian. She's hilarious. When you read some of those journal articles, you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, today, Rach is going to join us to talk about transitioning the family from the comfort of a seaside town to the challenges of a very colourful French medieval kind of village and how her three children, aged 12, 10 and 7, adjusted and also overcame some pretty big challenges. Then we hear about coming back together as a family and what that was like coming home. So without further ado, please welcome Rachel Mogan McIntosh. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your most recent adventure? Sure. Well, yeah, my name's Rachel and I live in Wollongong, just south of Sydney with my husband, Keith, and our three kids who are aged 12, 10 and 7. And we got back a few months ago from spending a year in the south of France and we've just been spending the last couple of months readjusting to being home in Australia and starting to process what the experience was all about, really. And what have you come up with? Have you had any epiphanies? Are you like so happy to be back? Where are you up to? We are really happy to be back. Luckily, where we live is beautiful and very cruisy and we have great friends here. And so the kids are really happy to be home. Yes. They had a great time, but they it was pretty hard for them. And they are very appreciative of their friends at school and the ease of life at school in Australia. I, yeah, I... I have definitely have a heightened appreciation for a lot of the the stuff at home, but um, it all feels a little bit like a weird dream, to be honest. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you want to focus a little bit on life at school? So, how is that? I'm thinking for listeners that are, you know, imagining the dream of travelling for a year and maybe settling into another school and a whole new community, learning yeah. lots of things, being out of your comfort zone. Yes. How would you? How is that for you guys? We were definitely out of our comfort zone. It was pretty intense in a lot of ways. Um, so the children didn't speak any French before we left. Mm-hmm. And my husband, Keith, um, his French was pretty good because he spent a year in Paris when he was a kid, which is where the whole idea had sort of been something that we discussed doing. And then both of us are portable for work. So it was this possibility for us to think, well, you know, we could just, we both work from home. The kids were all in primary school. That were, you know, the possibilities there for us to just move the whole catastrophe, you know, <laughs> geographically from one location to another. And then it was just a matter of the logistics. So the logistics of doing it were really intense. I definitely had a lot of friends who said that would have knocked them out at, at the beginning because the, the paperwork, the admin, 
the process, you know, was really bureaucratic and mm-hmm. kind of crazy making. You know, you sort of get through it, dealing with like the visas and, and things like that for a year, dealing with the enrolling the children in school from another country and, and renting a house and buying a car and all that stuff. That was really an experience, but we just sort of tried to treat it all as comedy and uh-huh. it mostly it mostly was comedy. So then the children started school at the beginning of the European school year in 2017, mm-hmm. which was the very start of September. And yeah, they just got thrown in the deep end, really. So we were living in a small town in the south of France, um, sort of halfway between Montpellier and Nîmes, which are quite big cities. But the town that we were living was just a very small medieval cobblestoned village, just as you kind of, you know, might picture in your mm-hmm. fairy tale fantasies. It was totally different from from where we live here in, in Wollongong. And it was quite an economically depressed place and a really culturally diverse place. And the school was very small, which we had wanted a small school. So the kids went to school with, you know, a real range of kids from different backgrounds. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, almost nobody spoke English. Um, there was a couple of the teachers that spoke English, but there was no children, in fact. There was one kid that whose English was okay, but almost none of the kids at school spoke any English. And so, yeah, then they had a year where they had to sort of um, sink or swim. And tell us about that part when, like, sort of letting the kids go into this new zone. Like, how did you feel about it? And then how did they adjust? What did they do? Like, were you observing from a distance or did you just go home and hope for the best? Well, one of the real differences between school in France and school here in Australia was that the gates at French school, they are shut and locked and parents just don't venture behind them unless you have a very specific reason to be there. Whereas here at our school anyway, in Wollongong, there's the parents are constantly wandering in and out. There's a lot of parents helping in the classroom. You know the kids pretty well. You know the teachers well. There's a lot of interaction. So, you know, especially when the kids are small, like primary schoolers, there's a lot of, you know, walking them in and out to the classrooms. Whereas in France, you you leave them at that gate and behind that gate, it's none of your business what happens. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, Keith and I, came to understand it as more like school a generation ago, like when we were at school. Like the teachers are really strict. They Mm -hmm. really yell um, at the kids. The expectation of how the kids behave, you know, in the classroom and stuff like that is very high. But their expectation of the kind of emotional ways that the children might cope or the ways that they might relate to each other uh, really, in our experience, was just not something that was of much value. Mm-hmm. So the kids would be strikingly mature often in the way that they related to other adults and, you know, and very charming in those ways, but the ways that they understood relating to each other in terms of the way they spoke to each other and bullying and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff was quite different to how it is here. Almost here, I almost feel like we have we have very low expectations of how we, what we expect children to be able to handle. They shouldn't be bored and they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't have to sit at a table and, you know, speak politely to adults or they shouldn't, you know, we sort of think, oh, well, children don't have to do that stuff because they don't. But we, in France, it's the opposite, that mm-hmm. they uh-huh. expect a lot of children in these kind of, these ways of their interaction in the adult world. But the expectation that we have of children in terms of what your, how your words might affect another person and how you relate to your friends emotionally and what's going on for somebody else behind the scenes and these kind of conversations were not something that was part of our experience Mm -hmm. so that was so that was another layer in 
which the children had to adjust to a very different cultural atmosphere as well as the the language difference of course so so yeah. it sounds like so many we layers. Asked a really yes. we really asked a lot of the children and they okay. it was very you know kind of painful for Keith and I sort of to look at what hmm. what have we done have have we asked too much is this too tough and yeah we were sort Tricky. of yeah. Numdrum, I'm thinking. Um, now in Australia, if you weren't so happy with the way things were going in the playground or even in the classroom, we always encourage, you know, like parent-teacher communication. Yeah. Did you step forward and do that in France or were you feeling like this is part of the cultural experience? We I won't did. say anything. What no, did you do? we did to some degree and especially when one of the kids was really um, um, getting bullied, you know, and um, but in that very complicated frenemy sort of mm-hmm. way you know like um somebody you know friend one day and then being really mean the next day and you know that very complicated stuff where here at home in my experience of a school a very similar size as well you probably would be dealing with the other parent yourself as well mm. trying to kind of navigate your way through and you're really helping you're helping to facilitate the the resolving of that issue whereas in France it was like supporting her at home mm-hmm. and just being like well off you go into you know you really got to sort this out yourself which she did and that was I think it was quite profoundly good for her in in these ways of learning how to to manage difficult situations and you know resilience type stuff but um you know there was a level to which you could talk to the teachers and you would try and resolve this stuff but mostly like it's just all gets a bit lord of the flies in a playground anywhere and yes can't there's not a lot you can do Hey, I'm just popping in to see if you've heard about the Best of Friends program. If you haven't, we offer it for school holidays and term long programs. That's one hour per week over 10 weeks or a two hour school holiday program. If you'd like a taster, the Best of Friends program is for children aged 7 to 11 years. And we have between three and six kids per group in the clinic setting, but it's also adaptable for the classroom setting. It's based around an interactive craft book and five stories about making and keeping friends. If you'd like to find out more, go to quirkykid.com.au and look into programs. That's quirkykid.com.au. Programs. Yeah, that was really quite tough stuff as as a parent because we would have to do the school run four times a day because they would come home for two hours at lunch. So we would take the three kids to school every morning. Usually somebody would be in tears because they were, they didn't want to go Uh sort of swap off between us, which kid was, you know, most needing the pep talk and, Mm -hmm. and then we'd get them behind the gate and then we'd come pick them up again at lunch and we'd take them home for two hours and we'd kind of repair them emotionally (laughs) and and try and kind of, you know, sort everybody out to go back again in the afternoon and talk to whoever was in tears and, and then, you know, and so there was just this, it really took over the rhythm of life, that schedule of managing the kids school life so hmm kind of thinking well was it worth it like do you feel like after all that it was I mean I'm sure it brought your family together and then yeah taught the kids resilience look it was very worth it in that sense of a family Mm -hmm. um of the that kind of intensive bonding and memory making that you have of being a gang together in this weird world that you are trying to make sense of and figure it out we had a great experience in that way Mm -hmm. there were times definitely you know halfway through or 
three quarters of the way through even where I was really questioning whether it was worth the pain mm. of, for the children of, of, of going to school. But then things really did turn around and they, they came through. I mean, there's no visible scars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they came through and the girl the girls particularly like they they have a second language they their french is lovely yeah they really kind of had to challenge themselves to to find ways to manage um some difficult situations and they and they did that and they learned a lot of skills i think in just doing that that will will play out in some kind of unknown way in in the future you know, adolescence or whatever. yeah and you know they definitely remember it as as a good time so so good there were more upsides in the end than the after the adjustment it was just all systems go and then tell me about yeah. coming back and saying goodbye was that like then hard to pull away from the world that you'd created look yeah it was very intense because i think partly because in order to try and make that year and that process for the kids be as positive and and healthy as possible it was felt really important to me and Keith to 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 put those roots down and to make those connections and to help the kids to find friends and to nurture those friendships and and also we we just connected with some beautiful families at the school who really kind of opened their hearts to us and and looked after us and and then I was studying French as well at this beautiful sort of community migrant volunteer run organization Mm. and I made a lot of really close friends there and because it was yeah it was a lot of hard emotional work that year that it was our roots to the place felt very strong by the time we got to the end of that year we just had a lot of really meaningful relationships and because most of the people that we were friends with and that we knew were just you know they didn't have any money and Australia's just the absolute other side of the world so it's just mm-hmm. you, you're just not going to see each other like and we've got three kids so that idea of sort of being able to pop over to Europe again is just crazy it's not yeah. it's not something that is reasonable for us to think about doing you know for another at minimum you know five years or something if that if that so yeah you really are saying saying you know, a, a pretty permanent goodbye. And yeah, so that the winding up and leaving was, and I mean, of course, it was also just really exhaustingly busy to, mm. to kind of um, pack up a whole house again and, 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 and do all that stuff while, while you're still running a normal life with three small children and we're both working. And so, yeah, it was pretty tiring. And but, intense, I'm thinking emotionally yeah, and then yeah, it was. Yeah, socially, it was. there's so many um, yeah. beautiful aspects of putting so much effort in and then getting so much in return. And so did you feel like you had some epiphanies where you're like, this is what I've learned from my year abroad or, yeah, what were your breakthrough takeaway oh, points? Gosh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that one of the things that we really wanted for the children was just to broaden their horizons so even though there were times when that schoolyard in Sommier was was really rough and Mm -hmm. there was things there were violent things that happened and like not to our children but there were violent things that happened in the town and that happened around us and and things that happened in relationships that are just not something that they had ever encountered before in their very safe very white 
very middle-class um, sort of beach town that we live in. And that was something that I, I really did. I want for the kids. I wanted them mm. to have this picture of the world that was a little bigger and a little less entitled and, and, and safe than, than their whole childhood has been while, yeah. while still kind of, you know, holding them in their safe family. And that, and I, and I, uh, yeah, and I think that that really did happen. And then the, the sort of the, what, what them having that experience in the year of their, of their childhood will mean, I think it's just going to be really interesting to, to watch. Cause I, I don't know that it's gonna, it's gonna mean something different to each of them because they each had a, a different, a totally different experience. And that's going to be something I think that they will tell me about when they're adults that this is how I then changed or then thought about things as I, as I got older. Rach, can their you, um, story can you kind of, I'm thinking of um, if you're standing in the shoes of one of your children, can you think of one example of um, one event that might stand out and then it kind of explain that in detail, maybe from a child's point of view, so we can kind of picture it and imagine what that might be like. You know, yeah. you sort of described it as a wake-up call, but I'm thinking, wow, like what happened what would I what would I be seeing and feeling as a young person in a new space like that? It sounds super diverse and different, but I just wanted to kind of know exactly what they would be seeing maybe for one example. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess like in, in terms of trying to paint a picture that would sort of describe what the different world that the children inhabited in would maybe be just that walk to school that we took four times a day where we would walk down the middle of the of the town through this like little cobblestoned medieval town where the was just full of like little flats with sort of lots of people living in them and every day we we just became very close to the people that ran the little shops and all the neighbors because we were just constantly doing that loop and so everybody you know you just uh, very accepted as being one of the one of the residents one of the townspeople and then of course we really stood out because most people hadn't really met any Australians before so yeah there was that and so then every day the kids would be walking past there'd be there's quite a lot of gypsies in the town and there was quite a lot of kids that didn't go to school from Uh some of those families and so there was you know there was a uh, the drug house that you'd, we'd walk past every day where it took us quite a few months to work out why everybody was always <laughs> hanging around outside this one particular kind of um, stone stairwell and where everybody was and who, who the, who the guys were that, the, that always hung around outside the tobacco and where who, the guy in the bookshop and then the old, the, um, yeah, yeah. The old, old Liliana, the old um, burlesque dancer that ran like the, the junk shop that loved the children that would jewelry and things and stuff like that. And she would always love to see us. And then of course, every person that you meet, you have to kiss them three times. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just an utterly, every part of that walk was novel. Every sound, every smell, every thing that you see was like this polar opposite on the other side of the world to their normal life in this little surfy Yes, that they live in, and so, but to them, it was just completely normal because they, you know, like a year is a long time. They would sort of just they would ride their scooters down, and often Georgie would be riding sort of on the back of our little neighbour Swan, his bike. He would just dink her down, and they'd sort of swing around all the old ladies with their market baskets, and they just knew, yeah, they knew all the shortcuts to cut through the alleyways to get everywhere, and that crazy world is just buried somewhere in their 
psyche as yeah. this alternative universe that they inhabited for a while and is now gone. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if that um, it's helpful. Yeah. So many different characters and such mm-hmm. like um it feels like live theatre, like you're almost walking through a movie set. Yeah. Eyes popping out of the sockets and then all yeah. of a sudden the kids just settle in and they're on their scooters and it's like any other day yeah. in a different setting. It's just it is quite surreal, isn't it? When you kind yeah. of try to process all that. Totally. And then just to think that through that whole process of every day, we were all having to speak French. We were having to speak this other language all day long yes. you know, to varying degrees of, of good and bad. And especially towards the end and especially the girls were just, you know, fluent. And so just kind of like cruising through this world, at this weird, you know, magical backwards land it's now yeah. seems because now of course we don't speak any French ever like it's 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 every once in a while something will come up and we'll sort of oh what is you know what's that word or whatever and we remember oh yeah there's this other there's all this stuff in the back of our mind of yeah yeah something. somewhere stored there in your memory and and I'm yeah. sure it'll be of use later and just imagining the girls traveling back to France and it all coming back to them at some point. Yeah, that's what um, I hope. I hope it's just, it's some gift to them at, you know, and that at some point in their, um, in their future and in their adult lives, it'll be, they'll kind of cash it in and they'll be like, okay, now I'll make use of this. Did that happen to Keith? Um, your, your partner, you, you said that he'd been when he was a child and now going back as an adult, did he have this kind of, I don't know, like a different perspective on things or. This yeah, is going to be absolutely. Worth the effort. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, I think that was always part of the the conversations that we would have about about our plans. Was that his memories of it were really um, just that it was it was quite a profound. It was a profound year for him. It was really difficult, and it was really transformative as well. And he it's then he did French. go on to study more French. And was that when he was a child? It was really profound. Like that yeah, was, he was the- nine. Okay. He was the same age as um, my son. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, yeah, so he, yeah, and then, um, and then he, w- he went on and to, you know, study whatever. And then, and then he, he, he did go on to travel and live in France again, you know, on and off um, mm-hmm. at different times. And, but he, mainly his ability to speak the language came from, from that year. And then as an adult now living there for a year with his children, yeah. Were there more memories flooding from when he was a child or was it more caution or, yeah, like how did he tackle that? I think, I think that there definitely was, um, there would have been a greater degree of understanding of what it was like for his parents than being mm. in the other position. But, um, you know, it was just a very jam-packed year in that sense for Keith and I like there was just a lot of heightened managing of everything every aspect of life including Mm -hmm. the children's emotional health and everything and always some level of anxiety for me around what if something goes wrong or something happens and I just like always felt like I was just skating on keeping all my balls in the air Mm -hmm. luckily nothing ever did you know, nobody ever did get really sick or, you know, um, have a car accident or any of those things. But there was always that slight fear for me about like, it's all fine day to day. But if the shit really hits the fan, I'm in trouble. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So has there been a massive like sense of relief coming home now? Like, do you feel like you've just kind of laid back and like, 
what's the shift been like? And, and you said the kids are happy to connect with their friends. Yeah, the kids are very happy to be back and at school. And I, I'm really happy to be back now too. I'm feeling more like I have my feet on the ground. I really struggled for a couple of months. I found that adjustment to being home much harder than I would have expected mm-hmm. um, just because uh, one, one of the main reasons was because we were just walking everywhere in France and um, I would sort of be in the car a couple of times a week to do the uh, supermarket really and Mm -hmm. that was really it other than that it was just walking around and doing all that stuff it was this sort of shared and even though like we still had this kind of division of labor where I ran you know I did all the cooking and ran a lot of the house stuff and things like that Mm because that wasn't really different there was a a, just a different sense of it being a a shared um um you know, system. And when I came home and I had this shock of like being back in like mum's taxi, you know, just (laughs) running the kids. And of course, because in France we had no family and we had no friends really. Like we had friends. We had, we made beautiful friends in France, but you could always be like unavailable to people. Yes. Didn't have responsibilities of, of family and friends like, like you do at home. And so that was like really relaxing. (laughs) Yeah, no like, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you do, and and of course, there's no <clears throat> extracurricular stuff for the kids. Mm-hmm. Any playdates happened at our house because most of the time, I just didn't know. Was all a bit wild and woolly. A lot of the other families and a lot of the other houses, and the kids just couldn't speak the language well enough to sort of be, you know, that comfortable about them going yes. and playing a lot at other people's houses. So, kids would come and play at our place or. It would just be us. So coming back home and it was like, that's right, I'm in the car all the time, running, <sighs> running everybody around, running this, you know, really full-on mental load schedule of, of life. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of readjusted now to how to do that in a way that doesn't drive me nuts. Yeah. But um, it was a shock. Yeah. Good job. It's kind of like it pulls out the things that are not your preference thinking how can I juggle it so I don't have to drive so much maybe less after school activities or yeah so Mm. you have to start start re recalibrating how it is that you live happily and what's the most you know yeah what's the most functional kind of system and then and then do that and when we first came home it was all you know that mum thing where you kind of just are like okay um you know, just in service to all the other members of the family and making Mm -hmm. sure that everybody else, you know, settles back in and is okay. And then you get to some point where you're like, what about me? You know, (laughs) like, what What is this? And then I had to go, okay, no, I need to carve out time for my writing and my my own stuff. And yeah, and so it's all all starting to um, feel much more settled now. And now just one, a couple of quick questions. One is just around family and you mentioned like family commitments and Christmas is coming. So I'm imagining everyone's coming together. How does that feel to have, you know, all of that intense support around again? Is that, yeah, has there been any? it's lovely. It's lovely. And that was part of what I think was very overwhelming when we got home because then, of course, you know, we'd been gone for a year and we both have big families too. And so, and friends, you know, and so there was a lot of trying to do a lot of catching up and a lot of uh, dinners and a lot of reconnecting with people that we hadn't seen. So there was just, it was very, very intense. Yes. We were back. Yep. The kids are, the kids are connecting up with all their friends again and where, you know, Keith and I have got 
all these things booked in to, to re um, connect with people and then the family are all wanting to, to see us and do things and so that's now just kind of calmed down back into the normal zone of life yeah that we're not we're not having to sort of do a lot of socializing which I don't I don't like I'm a hermit you know mm-hmm. I don't like doing I find it really draining to do too much um, social stuff so um, yeah so it's good for me that I'm just a bit more on top of now where you know where our limits are Love it. And Rach, just lastly, you mentioned you're back into writing and and I know you'd written a couple of really good blog articles during that experience with lots of comedy. Where can people find find out more about your writing and what are you currently working on? Um, well, I'm currently working on um, final draft of um, a book actually um, that I've been writing for a few years. It's a memoir about motherhood that I have to try and sell next and I'm sort of right at this kind of exciting point of trying to put the last touches on this final draft so I can send it out into the world a bit um, Mm -hmm. and then turn to writing a book about our year in France which is my next um, project yeah but so I, I wrote quite a lot of sort of magazine and online stuff when we were in France and and some blog posts as well and all of that's on my blog which is www.mogentosh.com m-o-g-a-n-t-o-s-h if anybody wanted to have a look I would love to thanks so much for your time today Rach I just really enjoyed hearing those details and um, it kind of it's timely with everyone connecting with family as Christmas is coming and and also probably thinking about new things to do in the new year to keep things interesting yeah, I feel like my takeaways from that were just that there may be some emotional struggles and some new skills, coping skills for kids, but in the long run, it's going to be an intense, positive experience and you may come home and feel like things need to change and that's going to be a good thing. Yep. I think for me, the main point around the whole thing for me that was like it's really like so much of parenthood where there can be great work and then great reward. So it was really, really hard work, a lot of it, and very intense, but the rewards were just enormous. Love it. That was very interesting. Thank you so much to Rachel Morgan McIntosh for joining us this week on Impressive. If you liked that episode and you know someone who might be thinking of travelling for a year, who might benefit from some of those stories that Rachel told, please do share on your podcast app. And if you like listening to Impressive, I'd love it if you'd click subscribe and join us every week. But for now, it's goodbye. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. I'm Kimberly, and this was Impressive. Impressive.